Um, I invite you to wander your way to your seats. Um, uh, bow your heads and join with me in a word of prayer. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that we have this chance uh, to be here in your presence, uh, to know your love in our lives. Loving God, fill this place with your presence that we may truly know you, that we may truly worship you, that we may be transformed by this encounter with you. Loving God, we pray that you make this time holy time and make this ground that we are on, whether we are here in person, whether we are joining in online, make this ground be holy ground so that this may be a holy time. We can push aside the distractions Whatever is outside of this place, God, may we praise you, may we know you, may we be transformed by you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen. Like a storm. We can feel swept up and swept away. We can feel like the water is rising and we are running out of the ability to bail. We can look all around us and see nothing but the solid wall of pain and suffering. And yet, God, in the midst of that, we are deeply thankful for your presence in the eye of that hurricane. And God, we give you thanks for the answered prayers. We give you thanks for the grace. We give you thanks for the many gifts that you have poured into us. And so, God, we come to you as, once again, as your storm-swept people, still knowing that we have your rock to cling to. We come to you with the things that are on our hearts. Um, in particular, we lift up Linda Hill, uh, who is in Waco. We lift up uh, John Hafner uh, for his continued healing. God, we give you thanks, certainly for progress, but God, we pray for greater progress. We lift up Bela brother, Bela's brother, uh, Car uh, Carol Kelly, we lift up uh, the citizens of Ukraine, even as the war has uh, reached a new and different stage. God, we just pray for peace. We pray for safety for the people who find themselves between, caught between a rock and a hard place. We lift up Sandra and Rhonda, both of whom are suffering from cancer um, and in deep need of your healing. We lift up Beth Horning, um, who has had a death um, in the family. And so, God, uh, we pray your blessing uh, be with her, your healing, uh, your peace. God, we lift up all of those who are hurting, all of those either in this room or beyond it, who are in deep need of you. God, we lift up those prayer requests, both spoken, those we have offered up, and those that still see, stay buried deep within our hearts. Loving God, we pray for you to move in mighty ways, knowing that you have moved, you will move. You are always here with us. And God, we know we do not always live as we should. We do not always love as we should. We sin and fall short of your glory. And even as we confess that to you, we know there is your forgiveness, your second chance, your next chance right there for us. And so God, may we indeed, Take that second chance, that next chance, and run with it. We may be your people, be your hands and feet in the world, be a part of the salvation and transformation of this place into your kingdom. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. I invite uh, the children to come forward uh, for a message prepared just for them.
Good morning. Good morning. Well, how are y'all this morning? Good. I noticed several of y'all have already gotten your children's folders today. Did you notice there was something cool in there for you? Yes. Jay's already wearing his this morning. Yes. Okay. So what is this? A medal. A gold medal. What does it mean when you win a gold medal? You're a winner. You're a winner. You achieved the goal. You achieved the goal. So this particular medal um, we gave to y'all today because today's scripture talks about pressing on towards the goal. And did you know that Jesus gave us a gift a very, very long time ago? What was that gift on the cross? Can y'all tell me about that? A winner. You're the winner. Why? What did we win? What prize did you win? Life. Life. Yeah. So we got, oh yeah, go ahead. Love. We got love. That's right. And what? Souls. And our souls. That's right. So we get to go to heaven. We got Jesus's love on the cross. We've been talking about that in Sunday school. Um, and we're talking about it some more over the next coming weeks as we talk about Easter. Did you know that you can't earn God's love by being the fastest and the strongest and the smartest? Did you know that the only way you can get it is by accepting it for free? So to earn this medal today, there's nothing you have to do to earn it. We're just going to give it to you for free, just like this. Looky there. Congratulations. Oh, Thomas has one back there too. That's okay. That one can be for Kaylee or whoever doesn't have one yet. We have one for everybody today in your children's folder. Does that sound like fun? Okay. All right, so let's pray. Would you put your hands together for me? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us that love on the cross so long ago. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good job, guys. Y'all can head on back. Our scripture reading this morning comes uh, from Paul's letter uh, to the folks in Philippi, uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 4b through 14. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because 
Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Say is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, when I was a fresh, I think I was a freshman, early in my high school theatrical career, I auditioned uh, for a, uh, a experimental play festival. A bunch of student writers were writing very experimental plays, and so I auditioned to be one of the actors, and you weren't so much auditioning for like one specific show, you were auditioning for the whole festival, and then all the directors could pick what shows they wanted to put you into. And so, one of the plays I got into, and I have deleted a lot of this play from my head, like the title, and who wrote it, um, and why I was doing this, but it involved me worshipping a stick named Robert uh, while dancing around in only sweatpants to Indigata Davida. It has forever ruined a lot of things for me. God help Esther if she ever brings home boyhood named Robert, because you couldn't just go, Robert, Robert. No, you had to say it in a very stylized manner, and so it was, Robert, Robert. I remember my lines, friends. Robert. I have no idea what that play was about or why I was doing that, but I certainly remember Indigata Davida, and I remember worshiping a stick named Robert. Robert. But there was another play I was in entitled C-O-G, which stood for Child of God. And the frame for this play is it's a whole bunch of people on a bus, and they are talking to each other. And every time um, someone would come to this, the main character with their problems, she would listen to them, and then she would simply respond that I am a child of God. So the next person would come up and explain what's so terrible about the world, and then come they would, this person would come back with, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And that... Clearly, I remember that one very well, because that's the truth, that we are children of God. If we let that be a part of our life, it is not about earning or deserving anything. It is that we are children of God. There is this kind of, uh, there's this, well, the Methodist ordination process is long and many splendored um, and a challenge. It took me 11 years to complete it. When you finish it, you stand up in front of the entire annual conference, which in our case is about 2,000 people. And there are these historic questions that come from John Wesley that, that we are supposed to answer to then finalize the thing. This really is it's a formality in that you, you just memorize the answers to the questions and you stand up there and it, it's all you just say yes or no depending on the question. One of my favorite questions is, are you in debt as to embarrass yourself? Uh, to which I would answer uh, no, but that's only because I am not easily embarrassed. Um, student loans mean that most college students are in debt and it feels often rather embarrassing. But the one that's relevant to today's sermon is one of the questions is, 
do you intend to reach Christian perfection in this lifetime? Do you intend to go on to Christian perfection in this lifetime? Certainly, in Wesleyan theology, it is possible for us to reach a Christian perfection. That's not the question. The question is not, do you believe in the possibility of Christian perfection? Yes, I absolutely believe in the possibility of Christian perfection. Do I believe I'm going to reach it? I don't know. But it seems a little presumptuous to say that I'm going to make it. That seems like the sin of pride to even stand up there and say, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to become perfect in this lifetime. I'm going to make it. I got the right stuff for this. We, as Christians, have often had this uncomfortable push-pull with, we are definitely called to Christian striving. And yet we also know that we cannot earn it. That being a child of God is a free gift. And then that does lead to striving, but only after God's grace has entered our life in the first place. One of the great theological debates is between a guy named Pelagius and a guy named Augustus. So, Pela Augustine, uh, Pelagius... Here's Pelagius' pitch, and it sounds sneakily appealing, right? Most people are inveterate sinners. Most people cannot be righteous on their own. Most people are going to fall into sin at some point or another and thus need the grace of God. But isn't it possible, possible, uh, that someone, Pelagius thinks of himself, that someone could have the internal fortitude to resist all the sin and thus live a perfect life, a righteous life, without the need for Christ. And so they have this big debate. Uh, what's interesting about this uh, painting is I think it's a painting of 20 of the same person. Uh, all of the people in this painting have the same face. Who's Augustine? Uh, who's Augustine and who's Pelagius? I have no idea. They have the same face and the same beard and the same outfit. Um, uh, even the guy who, who does, even the guy without a beard, I just think is the same model, uh, but with no beard. And mustache guy, same model with a mustache. They just had different beards and mustaches. They kept putting on the same model. Not today you are wearing the mustache because I needed that from you. Not today you will have a large beard. I have no idea it was painted by a Frenchman. That's just the voice that came to me. But in this painting that is all of the same guy arguing with himself, Pelagius' argument is appealing, right? We'd like to think that we could do this on our own. But the truth is, what we hear in today's scripture is that no, we can't. Yes, there is a place for us to strive, but it is only after God's grace makes that possible. Because Paul is this living testimony to the fact that if you could do this on your own, Paul would have managed it. Paul was real good at being religious. Paul, and Paul was not always a Christian. And Paul's way different than like Peter, James, John, all these guys were working class guys. They were just normal workaday folks. And there's a wonderful message in that of that we as normal workaday folks can do mighty things for God. It's not just the highfalutin folks. But Paul, on the other hand, Paul's one of them highfalutin folks. 
Paul went to all the right universities. Paul had a 1600 on his, you know, his religious examination. He was a great Pharisee, had the best teacher. He was great. That's what's happening in verses 4b through 6 is he is laying out his perfect, perfect religious resume. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He knew all the commandments and followed them perfectly. By being a Pharisee, he would have been the mo one of the best read on all the requirements of Scripture and all the requirements that they spun out of the requirements, requirements on top of requirements on top of requirements on for days, and he was blameless. He was so good at following the law as he thought he understood it that he set out on the road to murder a whole bunch of Christians because he thought that he was so upset that anyone would get in the way of the perfect following of the law. He was circumcised at the right time, born to all the right families, born in the right place. He had it all. If he was a college kid applying to college, he had a 1600 on the SAT, a 34 on the ACT, valedictorian, and perfect extracurriculars. He could walk right into the Pharisee version of Harvard, no problem. And probably could have walked onto the football team too. He was perfect. Perfect. And so Pelagius was right. You could just earn salvation. Paul is the perfect candidate for earning salvation under the law. And yet in verses 7 through 9, he makes clear that is not the case. That despite his perfect religious resume, Paul is as in much need of grace as the rest of us. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. anyone could have earned this thing? It's Paul. You have Paul writing to these Philippians that he loves saying, look, these people who are talking to you, these people who are trying to poison your brain, they are saying, oh, we are so perfect. We do not need this grace. Well, look, if anyone didn't need this grace, it would be me. And I definitely need this grace. I have not a righteousness of my own under the law, but a righteousness that comes from Christ Jesus. From Christ's death on the cross. From his resurrection on the third day. That is what can clear our account with God. That is what can set us free. That is what can transform us. That is the greatest gift we can receive. And it is right there for us at all times. And then at that point, once that grace is in our lives, then we, as Paul says, 
have the opportunity to push on and to grow and to grow closer to God and to be transformed. That is verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Press on towards the goal for the prize, the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The striving comes alongside that gracious presence in our lives. Because fundamentally, no matter how logical it feels, no matter how much of a tough guy we think we are, no matter how strong willpower that you have, because I certainly don't, you cannot do it on your own. You can't earn it. You just can't. That sounds appealing because we like earning prizes and we like trophies and we want to say we earned this trophy. And I grew up in the generation where they gave out participation trophies and I always thought that was stupid. Well, it turns out the grace of God is the ultimate participation trophy and you should be really glad that it is. God is not tracking your stats. God does not know how many games you won and how many games you lost. When you accept Christ into your heart, all of that is wiped away and you should be real glad it is. That this is not a championship trophy. That this is the participation trophy they hand out at Fuddruckers while you also get to eat a hamburger and get a free cookie. What a joy. Because you can't earn it. We all fall short. Even Paul does, right? Paul's problem wasn't following the law. It's he lost the spirit of the law. He thought in looking at the law that that meant he should persecute Christians and shun others, not love others, and be a part of what Christ did. Even in being perfect in the law, Paul got himself utterly derailed. Thus showing, once again, if anyone could have earned it, it was probably Paul. And even Paul did not manage to earn it. You can't earn it. Instead, it's a free gift of God's grace for us all. And that grace is the beginning of a journey. You're, Paul's right. You don't stay where you are. You do not stay the same jerk you were when you first came to Christ. You get to grow and to transform. Do I think I'm going to reach Christian perfection in my lifetime? I have no idea. But I do know I've grown a lot since the age of 19 when I first really started taking my faith seriously. I'm a lot better person than I was then. And it's because the Spirit has worked within me. As many of y'all have discovered over for our four years together, I probably have ways to go yet. And that's okay. So do y'all. And we're all in this together. I have no idea if I'll reach it. It's a heck of a goal, though. I do know I'm on that journey. And so the question is not about whether God's grace is there for us. Of course it's there for us, without question. And the question is not can we grow? Yes, of course we grow. It's possible on this journey with God? The question is only, will we press on as Paul does? Paul, at this point writing the Philippians, is not the person he was when he was a Pharisee. He's gone from a persecutor of Christians to the, one of the greatest church planters in Christian history. Will we press on? Will we let that grace into our life? 
Will we let that grace transform our life now into something better? It has to start with God's grace and then God's grace all along the way. But with that grace, we too press on. We can be transformed. The gift of grace is already accomplished. The possibility of transformation is already accomplished. The ability to have a better life is already accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us press on together, friends. May we all in this room reach Christian perfection in our lifetimes. And what a better world it would be if all of us made it. All of us get to heaven and see each other and we can ask one another, did you make it? We're all going to be in heaven, right? That comes with salvation. Still no express lane. Still no express lane. But may we make it. If we press on. Yeah, two steps forward, one step back. Let us journey together. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery that you've given yourself to us. Grant that we may be empowered by this encounter with you to begin that journey of grace with you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to grab the hands of the people around you, form one united body in Christ, as indeed by the power and presence of God's Spirit that is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Yes, God's grace is enough. May we make it our own. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.